go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been working in the field for over 25 years. And through this podcast, Digging Deep, we're going to bring to you our knowledge, our challenges, our foibles, our stories, and our ideas to help you create the most unique landscape for you and your family. And, you know, let me tell you, foibles are actually good things because um, you learn. You learn what not to do. You learn what to do. So um, we've done it. We've uh, we've done it right. We've done it wrong. We've done it sideways. Isn't that right, Michael? <laughs> and we've learned. Lots yeah. of learning. Always learning. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about building another unit in the backyard. And another unit could be a shed, a cottage, what's called an accessory dwelling or casita. We want to talk about, especially in these times, how you can build something either for an office, because so many people are working remotely, or yeah. build something that you could put on Airbnb or VRBO and create an income. Right. And in fact, let's start with that. You built the most incredible tiny house for Airbnb. Tell us about it. I, mean, I love it. I went to see it, and I have to say it's pretty spectacular. Well, thank you. It's 301 square feet. So you'd think, wow, that's not very big. But here's the deal. I made the ceilings 14 feet high, and it goes to 13, a shed roof. And I did the front of it mainly glass. So, And there's a bathroom. So the main room, it's like a studio, is 11 and a half feet wide by 20 feet long. So attached to that is an 8 foot by 9 foot bathroom. That's all you need to have a couple of two stay in there. So it's got a little kitchen, it's got a queen bed, and it's got a fully stocked bathroom, a little refrigerator. And so when I originally bought, um, built this, I thought, oh, I'm going to have an outdoor office. And, you know, when you build an outdoor office in the Sacramento County, um, you could go up to a certain amount of square feet based on your overall square feet footage of your yard. So I have a quarter of an acre. I could have built something 600 square feet, but I did it smaller. And thus I only had a five foot setback from the fence. All these things are important, no matter what you buy. The other thing. Now to clarify, just to, just for people that are wondering what a setback is, is it, it, it is how far you need to be about back behind the property line in order to put a permanent structure. So that's listed that that's what the people would, deem or the county or the city or the building department would deem a setback. Sorry okay. to interrupt, but I just wanted to clarify that. That's actually, um, that's the a great definition of what a setback with the city is. Now, let me talk about a setback if you live in an HOA. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the footage. It actually does, but it also could do with your HOA says, no, nobody could build an accessory dwelling. So that's something that you need to check. I know right. You know, if you're living in Toronto or other places, they have very strict rules and things have to be X amount of feet if they're X amount high. So, you know, don't after you hear our podcast today, just go out and say, OK, I'm going to build it and they will come. <laughs> right. And just to clarify, because um, Roberta has this this wonderful story. But for those of you that don't know what the word HOA means, it's oh. Homeowners Association. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I say that with some chagrin because, um, you know, there's two sides to everything, but a homeowner's association um, has guidelines of what you can and cannot do. For instance, we have a very old development here called Gold River. And right. when you buy into Gold River, they have very stringent rules of what you can and cannot do, what you could build and what you can't, what you can have on your front porch and what you cannot. So. And the, the, those, those rules take precedent over what the city or the county, the city or the county may have setbacks and you, if you try to follow it, but the homeowners association has a stringent set of additional rules. So you have to, you have to do what the homeowner association says. And when you buy a house, when you're buying it, they give you a list of them and say, do you understand? And you say, yes, and you sign your life away. And now you are bound by that. And I've, I've had clients that say, well, I don't care. Let them sue me. And the reality is they will and they will win because you agree to the uh, homeowner association rules when you buy the house. So you need to be, you can't be cavalier and say, I'm paying the mortgage. It's my house. I can do whatever I want. You can't. Exactly. And also, if you build without the building department and somebody calls it in or or it doesn't pass, they will make you tear it down. So um, so having having said that, if, if you're thinking of building something in your backyard and I built a 301 square foot tiny house and I had it engineered, I drew it, I designed it, but then I had it engineered because if you're going to have somebody sleep in it and it's over 120 square feet, it's got to be engineered. Under 120 square feet, which is a 10 by 12 or an 8 by 14, no permits are needed. So that's the size of a nice little office, but it's not considered uh, an accessory dwelling where somebody sleeps. Just keep that in mind. But if you do go the distance and you pay for the permits, which will vary from you know city to county and so on, what you can have and what I have is an, another income. And not just another income, but a great way to meet people who come from all over the world to stay. And you might think, well, wait a minute, I, I don't live near anything that anybody would want to stay by. That's not true. People come to visit their families. They come to do workshops. They come to um, for seminars. So it's really a viable income if you have the space and if you're willing to do it. And you can make it so nobody comes through your house. There are people that do Airbnbs with a room in their house, but we're talking about the landscape. Right. Yeah. And in, in Roberta's case, it's surrounded by her garden. So when you look out of this all in glass in the front enclosure, you're seeing beautiful trees and shrubs and, and it's a wonderful environment. So you don't feel like you're sitting in someone's suburban backyard looking right into their house. Not at all. And plus the price is less than a hotel and um, an Airbnb means there's a, there's not a breakfast, but I use usually almost always have snacks in a basket and I have tea and coffee. So imagine if you're going to go stay in a hotel you're in a pretty sterile one room, you know, and they have a little electric coffee pot. But if you go stay in an Airbnb in someone's garden, especially a garden that you've had designed by someone like Michael and I, um, then it's a whole different experience for them and also for you. Right. And you truly will feel like you're on vacation. 
You will. And then um, so many of my clients, now I don't have a full kitchen. I have a toaster oven, a microwave, a little induction cooker. Um, I don't have a full kitchen in mind. So most of the people who come and stay, they'll, they'll go out to eat. They'll order DoorDash or, or whatever. But um, So it doesn't have to be fancy. The thing is, is in your landscape, if you're thinking there's room to build something like this, it can be done. Now, a lot of tiny houses that you see on TV, they're all on wheels. You've seen that, right, Michael? Yes, yes. And that's that's a different, you, you could do that. But in my situation, there's no way. You'd have to crane the wheels in. But that would be a way to avoid uh, major permits. So, right. yeah. So I have a, um, I just talked to somebody that builds sheds for a lot of my clients. And um, a 10 by 12, which is a nice size office, he would build for $5,000. What, I mean, where else could you get something for that? Now, if you were to spend an extra couple thousand dollars, let's say 7000 you could put in a mini split heating and air conditioning system. You could plaster and put in recessed lights, and you have a beautiful little outdoor office. Now, does that include a bathroom? No, that doesn't include a bathroom. Right now, that's just about an office. But again, so many people are working remotely and so many people have children at home where there is no quiet and no peace. It's a place to get away from and still be at home. Now, I've had situations where clients, the, the garage is set all the way back and the driveway is very narrow. So they never use their garage other than storage. And what we've suggested to some people is... Um, if you're going to do an, a major overhaul of the yard anyway, at the point where you discover where your sewer line is and electric lines and everything, if you run your sewer line over to the garage area and you embed, since you're not using it for a car, you actually make your office or um, a, a pool house or something out of the garage. You've already got your structure. You basically already have the roof. And if it's in good shape, you've already got the roof. So really all you have to do is bring plumbing, electrical, maybe gas um, into it, put a little bathroom in there. And now all of a sudden you have, again, like Roberta was saying, an office or it could be a little tiny house or a mother-in-law's area. And that's nice because the structure basically is there. Um, you're just modifying it so it's now usable since you're not putting a car in it. Right. You still need to permit that, um, unfortunately. Yes. And uh, I just found out with clients that are having a very hard time getting their permits cleared that if you're going to call it a pool house, it can't have any interior walls. So you got to look at that because you certainly don't want a bathroom with no wall. Right. Um, but you can call it. And because, again, we had a you cannot call it a guest house. You can't call it a pool house, but you can call it an office and they allow for an office. They allow you to be able to it can have a bathroom and it can have walls and air conditioning and heating. It just can't have a kitchen. It can have a kitchen, right? You can have two plumbing structures. So, you know, what I recommend is if you, the planning department in normal times, you can't go in there now, everyone's working remotely, but you, you certainly can contact them via email and you could say, here's where I live. Here's my property. We're not doing anything, but we're thinking if we'd like to do something, what can we do? Where can we build? How big? What are the requirements? That is going to save you so much heartache. Because then you'll know what your parameters are. I wanted to build um, a 16-foot-high uh, tiny house so I could divide it and have like a loft. And they said, nope, in your area, it's 14 feet is the highest clearance. Okay. On the front, I have very large windows, but I wanted the whole thing glass. And they said, nope. 
it's not going to pass something that's called title 24 which is your ratio your energy ratio between glass and walls so it's i know it sounds complicated but basically the simplest thing to do if you want to do something is start with the building department they they do not come out and tag you for anything they're just there for information right it makes total sense. And the last thing you want to do is invest a lot of money and find out it's illegal and someone turns you in and you then have to either tear it down or go through the whole process of, of redoing it because you didn't follow the rules. Right. But if you do and you do something <clears throat> that, that fits one or two people that has a bathroom, you can have an income of anywhere from 1500 to 3000 plus a month. It just depends on how big and how well you've tricked it out and how many people can actually sleep there. So in times like this, which, um, you know, with the economy the way it is because of COVID, or let's say, you know, you've been self-employed and never really set anything up for retirement, your yard could be your retirement. Absolutely. Um, I think it's also important that we talk about sheds, you know, and sheds just used for shed storage. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, wait, one, one, before you do that, when you mentioned garages, yes. Um, I had a client that I suggested they haven't done it yet, but let's say you want that to be as a workshop and yes, there's a garage door on, you know, the, let's say the front side, but consider opening a large opening on the side of the garage with a barn door or a roll-up. You've got a right. office, right? I mean, shed or office right there as well. Anyway, I just wanted to add that. Go ahead. Which is a great idea. What we wound up doing for a client recently was taking the garage door off, um, making that French door so that where the driveway was became an additional entertainment area because it was off the main patio. And then what you were saying is adding a door on the side and then all they needed was they needed some additional storage. So the very back of it, um, where it, where there was back behind the garage, you went ahead and put a barn door there or an additional door. And that's where they throw all their storage. And that's where they also put the pool equipment. And that way you could have pool supplies, pool equipment, um, storage back there within the front is where they, they actually had a little office little tiny house, things like that. And then you opened up what used to be the garage door to French doors out to what was the driveway is now a patio that that is an extension of usable entertainment space. And all this is um, in regards to thinking outside of the box. And if you've lived on your property for many years, it's very hard to think outside the box. You pretty much think within the parameters of what you have. Right. But, um, yeah, so... so hopefully we'll inspire you to um, to think again of what can fit there. We've already spoken about gardens and um, being sustainable that way, you know, growing things, if, be it vegetables, fruit, hops, you know, beer, wine, all that stuff you could bring forth. But you can also um, have either a shed to work out of, a shed to store out of, or something a little bigger than a shed to house people or even part of your family or just another space to go. Absolutely. And consider this, if you have, if you add a bathroom, and I would say that's the one thing that if you can tap into your sewer line and add a bathroom, even if you don't have a shower, if people are entertaining and you're having people over, instead of them having to come into your house, again, I mean, we're considering COVID, but if you don't want people trekking in your house, 
having a small outdoor bathroom, you know, a bathroom that's near the entertainment space. Number one, you don't have to have people trekking in the house. Number two, it makes it a lot easier. And and let's say you have a two one, two bedroom, one bath. Um, and you want someone to stay over, relatives or anything, by providing a small little structure in the back, whether it be part of what used to be the garage with the bathroom, they have their own space, they can stay there, they're not trekking through your house, and you're not sharing a bathroom with them. Right. And let's say um, you want to do something a little more alternative, you could put in a composting toilet. Okay, so you don't necessarily um, have to, you know, have a toilet connected to the house. Although if you have running water, that has to be connected to your main sewer. You cannot just um, put in a sink and have a drain in your landscape. Right, right. That's true. But composting toilets are, are if you have a situation where you can't connect in, there's also um, one that uses electricity that basically heats it up and burns the, the waste. And that's another way they use those in some of the high-end parks because right. they can't run sewer lines and... Um, that's a that's a um, that's a really good possibility because basically all it runs off is electricity and you turn it on and it turns every, all the waste to ash. Yes. They're more expensive though, so you know, really, with any project, you want to cost everything out and um, really know what you're looking at. But again, it's a great idea. And let's say you don't want to put anyone in there; you just want to shed. Well, sheds don't. Ha- I know there's tough sheds and a lot of other shed type things, but it doesn't have to look like a little, you know, funky shed in the back. Right. It could look like a little French cafe, you know, with exactly. French doors. I mean, I saw um, I saw an idea for a chicken coop, and, it, and they made it look like a circus wagon, you know, where a tiger would be. And it was called um, Cirque de Poulet. <laughs> I love of- it. Well, and we've, we've designed a bike barn made out of corrugated metal and corten steel that's been rusted. The corten steel was a sliding barn door, and then the sides were done with, with a combination of corrugated metal and corten steel, and it was delightful. They opened it up, put the two bikes in there, closed it down. That's the one thing that, that as we're talking about sheds, we are all, all of us collect stuff. Um, no matter what it is, stuff happens and stuff collects and stuff grows, um, meaning um, pillows and cushions and things that, that just keep growing. And if you don't have a place for it, it either winds up in the landscape, in your garage, on the side of your house, collecting dust and, and everything. So you need to actually put a designated storage area for all the stuff, especially if you have kids, kid toys, just keep multiplying. So, and, and it laying around the landscape, it just collects dust and spider webs. So you need to think about where can I put an area, a tiny shed that I can put all that stuff and get it out of the way. Right. Also, um, there's the cushions for your outdoor furniture and yes, it's outdoor fabric, but you leave it out exposed. It's going to be dirty. So, and then if you have a pool, all the pool equipment, you know, that not pool equipment, but, you know, the cool toys, the blow up the rafts, you know, you want to have noodles. And yeah, absolutely. And what, what happens is each season, some of them you get rid of, but all you do is keep collecting and it's, it's like a virus. I mean, it's, it's laughable, (laughs) but we just keep collecting things. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Right. And, um, you know, even if your kids are grown, like mine is my daughter, um, 
up in the attic, I still have her, all her books, all her model horses. She's 35, right? right. And of course, they don't have room for it. So it's stored in my attic. So if you uh, get rid of it, it's suddenly you get a call, mom, where was that? I want to use it or I have a perfect place for it. It's like, oh, I gave it away. Yeah. <laughs> then you're really in trouble. Exactly. The other thing is, is that it's interesting in today's market. And I've been just, um, pa uh, the, the packing crates or the, the um, uh, shipping containers are now become in vogue for uh, storage sheds, for tiny homes. They're even making from shipping containers. They're even making swimming pools out of them. What's neat is because they're all metal. They're not, ex not as, as expensive and they're not they're fire retardant because they're all steel and it's amazing what you can do with the shipping container right and they 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 can come in 20 feet or longer and um the thing with the shipping container obviously it's going to be craned in um they'll start around four thousand dollars but if it's going to be um a home and you could buy you know a little shed let's say or a place to live you could buy them with windows and doors cut out but what you're going to have to do is put some kind of cladding on the inside and the outside with some insulation right so there's this work there but it, it is a fine idea i don't know what the permitting is like in our area but you could check that out but the, the main thing is is whatever you add whatever size structure it needs to be designed into the garden, okay? Not just plopped down. And I say the same with hot tubs. You know, hot tubs, you don't want to just plop it down on the surface. Here's something three feet high by eight feet square, like a sore thumb. You know, consider with a shed or, or a building, putting a trellis over the front door and growing a vine. You know, having a pathway that leads to it. So, so when you're considering it, consider how you would have it designed into the right. yard. After all that's what we paint it maybe paint it the same color as your house put in shutters put a window box in there make it look like even if it's a shed i always tell my clients that have these old ugly sheds let's paint it let's re-roof it with maybe do a copper roof or let's do a standing seam roof let's put shutters on it let's put some window boxes so when you look out it's a shed but it looks like this cute little adorable tiny house rather than just a shed Exactly. I had a client that painted a mural on it. And then for years, she's been saving, oh, broken tiles, all kinds of things. And in the front of it, I couldn't believe how beautiful. I, th I said, is that a rug? But what she had done is she had made in the shape of a rug this beautiful inlaid tile uh, feature. And so, and then painted the walls of her shed because she teaches young children art. And it's just, it was just so delightful. So, Really, really step out of the box because if you're in a place, again, where there's no homeowners association that's going to tell you, yes, I could do this, no, or, or you know, a neighbor that says, hey, you can't go that high. I don't want to look at that. You have free reign to do something wonderful and paint it something colorful even. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, if you need some Shade, remember, a really inexpensive way to create shade is buying shade sales. At Costco, they're $20, you know. So during the hot summer months, you might be able to hook a shade sale up between your shed and another structure or a tree. So you could really create some outdoor living. Absolutely. And again, if you don't like that look, you can also do an umbrella. But instead of having an umbrella just flop around, you can actually sink a metal pipe into the ground and drop the umbrella into that. And that way you're not moving around 
the 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 umbrella stand and um it's nice and stable when you don't need it you pop it out you put a cap on the on the uh, pipe and then put the the umbrella away yeah well actually what i would pop in is my clothesline <laughs> oh that's a great idea yeah and that's another thing real quickly um that's coming back big time it is With our hot hot summers um, drying your clothes outdoors, it doesn't have to look like Tobacco Road. It's it's great, especially when you're talking about my wife. That was the number one thing that we did in our new remodel of our backyard. She's on the side of our yard. We put in a clothesline, but it was a circular one that opens up. And yeah. she likes to do the sheets. She likes to do the towels. She likes to do anything comforters um, that take for hours in the uh, dryer. You put it out on the clothesline, and within a half an hour to an hour, it's dry and it smells wonderful. It's dry, yeah. And you're not using the electricity. So we had, and we're coming into another hot spell, but um, this summer, when temps rose in Sacramento to 112, 115, the electric company said we're going to be switching the electricity on and off to preserve it. So when you can use something alternatively, and and you're right, Michael, when you hang out sheets and towels, they smell fresh and wonderful How, if there's no fires going. I was just going to say, except uh, when there's fires, it smells like smoky. But um, I actually prefer um, sun-dried clothing and and um last summer last summer yeah i was in bath in england and the hotel that we stayed at when we drove to the back there was these clotheslines with all the sheets hanging and it was delightful to have clean sheets that were warm dry you know dried and warm by the sun yeah so. absolutely so don't be afraid to do that i mean especially if it's pretty and it's nice and it's something that you can pop in and pop out that's yeah. what ours is. We can pop out, put a cover on the on the hole, and then store that in the wintertime. And then um, it, it's stored in the garage. And then when we want in the spring, summer, and fall, we just open it up. And it's just, it's really a wonderful thing. I was resistant because I thought, oh, my God, it's going to be ugly. But it's not. And it's really kind of cool. So you get function as well as aesthetics. Right. And if you have a shed, it can go in the shed in the winter. Absolutely. <laughs> we have some nice days. Well, in my shed, my shed, of course, is stuffed. But uh, what I also have in there is my um, my leaf um, grinder. So we're coming into fall, and when all the leaves fall, I instead of raking them up and shoving them all into my um, green waste, I um, break them up with that leaf. What's it called? Leaf chipper. Um, leaf I, I yeah, I chip them up in that and put it in black bags, and that's my mulch, which is great. So um, consider that, too. I know I'm taking a, a little avenue here thinking about all the wonderful things that you could stuff in your shed, but that's another one, and we are headed that way. Yes. Towards the fall. Yes. <laughs> We're <Absolutely. pretty. laughs> At least here in Sacramento. Um, it's September, and uh, we are going into 109 this weekend again. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that lovely, cool weather, 109, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, because things are changing economically, um, globally with our climate, we have to change, too. So we could do it um, economically by building something that brings us income and also growing our food where we don't have to rely on, you know, all of our vegetables coming from the grocery store. And um, also reusing our natural um, habitat, like leaves for mulch and so on and so forth. So these are all good things. There's always a silver lining, believe it or not. 
Um, to- I agree. And also the whole idea of instead of renting an office, having an office at your house that's detached from your house, that you can go there. Even if you're doing homeschooling, like a lot of people, imagine having a small, tiny house that you can have the kids go out there. There's a bathroom part of it. And you're not part of the house because when you're in the house, there's all those distractions. But if you're outside in a separate zone, you can actually make make it feel like the little old schoolhouse. Exactly. You can have a little raised garden boxes around there and the kids could um, be gardening as well. So um, I do, we're, we're here to urge you to, um, to, again, to expand your imagination. And yes, everything costs money, but with any business, it costs money to make money. Isn't that right? right. And you get a tax deduction. Yes. And you can also pull the money out of your house um, in an equity line uh, to do this. So everything is a possibility. And if you're really, really struggling, you can um, hit uh, um, Nextdoor, Craigslist, Habitat Restore, and get recycled uh, windows and doors, or even windows and doors that are brand new that the uh, the big stores needed to get rid of because the new ones are coming in. So there's ways of doing it inexpensively as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, that is our uh, that is our show on sheds. Yes, <laughs> tiny houses, sheds, Airbnbs. Little little structures, little houses. Yeah, yeah. We're not talking about building a whole house. But anyway, we want to give you ideas. And um, you can also post comments or questions on our website, which is uh, www.blueberry.net. Uh, digging deep, or I think it's slash digging deep. And blueberry is B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. And um, there's no E in there. So you could find us there. Blueberry.net is a dot digging deep well anyway you'll find us because it'll come up and we would love to answer any questions that you have if it's if it's about that because Absolutely. we've been doing this and we love to share information because we want we want everyone to be healthy happy and working and that includes the earth the animals and the insects absolutely and the cats and the dogs and all that so i'm roberta walker and i'm michael glassman and, and thank we- you for joining us for digging deep, deep. Thanks for listening in.